Hello, and thank you for joining me today. This is an ISACA podcast. My name is Megan Moritz, and joining me today is Jan Anishimovich. And Jan is the Chief Commercial Officer and Executive Vice President at CNF. Hi, Jan. How are you doing today? Doing good. Good, good, excellent. Um, so let's start at the, at the beginning of everything. Can you tell me a bit about your background, where you grew up, where you went to school, and what you do now professionally? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, thank you, Megan, for inviting me to, to, to this uh, uh, interview. I was born in Lemberg, a city located in the north of Poland, very close to Gdańsk. And Gdańsk, this is the city where Mr. President Lech Wałęsa initiated the Solidarity movement. And this was just the beginning of the end of the communist time in Central Europe, especially in Poland. And my region is very famous mainly for the nature. There's a lot of forests, lakes, and agriculture. And after my high school time, I chose Warsaw, the capital city of Poland, to study and to, of course, stay over here. And now I'm the manager with over, let me count, 23 years of experience. And currently I work with CNF for almost 13 years. We provide, let's say, advanced IT services and products in the area of data management, pricing, and of course, GLC. GLC, the acronym stands for Governance, Risk Management, and Compliance. And I'm particularly qualified with GLC, data warehousing, business intelligence, big data, and data analysis. And can you tell us a little bit more about what CNF does? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but before I tell you what we do, uh, I would like to explain the roots of the company name. And CNF stands for client and friends. This was, I mean, client and friends, the official name of the company for many years. We have changed the name of the company a couple of years ago, but CNF was founded at the end of the last century. And from the, mm, I'd say, very beginning, we have building close and uh, lasting relations with our customers, mainly from the life science, pharmaceutical, and finance sectors. And... CNF has been providing business technology solutions and services for various global industrial leaders, including uh, those listed on Fortune 500. And as I said, we do data management, digital transformation, and analytics. And how did you get started in your career? Was this something you always wanted to do, or did you take on this role a little bit later in life? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> good, good, good question, yeah. Uh, I graduated from the uh, Military University of Technology in Warsaw. This means that I'm the uh, army officer. And to say it more, the representation of the employees with military background is strong, quite strong in our company. And maybe there's a question, why the military? Then there are, I have to explain it and to depict two dimensions. The first, I have always enjoyed sport and competition. Oh, come on. It's something in my heart. I used to, let's say, train short distance running. Uh, for example, my personal best record for 100 meters, it was in high school time, not now, but it was close to 11 seconds. And I did uh, also volleyball um, uh, uh, trainings. We even won some local uh, competition. And the second dimension, 
I've always been fascinated uh, with computers, science, and when I was a child. Then, having this in mind, when deciding on my higher education, I wanted to join two things. First, the study a technical field like computer science, system security, and to have the opportunity to, um, to practice sports. And in Poland, the first choice was, and most likely still is, the Military Universal Technology in Warsaw. It was quite a long time ago, but more than 25 or even 27 years ago, it wasn't easy to get to, to the universities. There were more than, if I remember correctly, 20 candidates per place, and the exam took uh, more than a week. I passed the exam in August 1994, and I started my studies. They began with seven weeks of intensive military training. And my adventure with IT started with, let's say, shooting a rifle, running in the forest, and marching in the rain or sun. And how did that inspire you to take the career that you have now? Like, what was it that kind of catapulted you to what you're doing now and, and inspired you to take this career on? I believe that the first, and it's often uh, the case of this industry, is the passion. If you are IT geek as a child, it will only grow stronger later. And the question is why? Maybe because working with technology means uh, taking part in the change. The technology is growing you know, very fast, in my opinion, close to an exponential rate. After all, according to well-known Moore's law, the computing powers, let's say, doubles every 24 months. But I feel that we are still somewhere at the beginning of the journey. Yes, Moore's law probably has its limits due to the fundamental of physics, the, let's say, speed of light and the size of the atoms. But on the other hand, the race for quantum supremacy has just started. Artificial intelligence maturity is uh, sure just before its, let's say, peak. It's going quickly, very fast, uh, but it's still before its peak. As I get more experience, and time is unfortunately flying very fast, I find myself more and more and even more excited on how technology is used to solve real-world problems. In my opinion, we are still learning how to build value that combines technology and human. And as I said, this is just uh, the beginning. And to sum up, of course, passion, but also a specific uh, mindset shaped by the involvement in sports and education part. And do you think that your experience in the military helped you with your career? Do you think that that was a benefit for you? In my opinion, of course, but this is only my opinion, yes, and uh, certainly graduating from military university had a huge impact on my career path and the professional development. What is important is that in the military school, I met people with whom I work right now. Military training can bring people together, you know, that's for sure. Uh, the thing is that we definitely have a similar approach to solving technical, let's say, challenges, problem issues in the team, then the same mindset that allow us to get things done. And 
I did my studies in the in the 90s, in the you know not only in the previous century but also in the previous millennium. Then it was after the fall of communism in Poland and the country was undergoing you know serious transformation. Then military school was one of the few places in Poland when we can really have access to the latest technologies and we were sort of I can say maybe even pioneers in terms of cyber security or information technology in general. It sounds like we're about the same age. I'm putting all of this together. Um, so for the next generation of security leaders, when do you think the right time is to get involved with an organization like ISACA? <laughs> uh, uh, definitely, there's only one right answer. Um, then you, you should know probably the answer that, of course, as soon as possible. It's never too early for networking and learning, but on the other hand, uh, the best moment, the best moment to join is when you have something to share. Uh, from the perspective of ISACA, uh, it's awesome. That great opportunity to take, but also a great opportunity to give. It's definitely worth uh, getting involved in our community and building uh, its value by sharing knowledge. Uh, circulation of knowledge and good practices is especially valuable now when changes in information security and challenges to business continuity in general are on the rise. All right, so you said earlier that your focus is on governance, risk, and compliance. And so in your opinion, what do you think is currently the highest risk to the business continuity? The major risk to business continuity nowadays is to not managing risks, or even to say more, to don't know what is the risk exposure and even what the risks are. The global economy, supply chains, geopolitics, uh, all this creates a shaky environment for companies to, to operate. This means that big responsibilities in the hands of the people who are managing risk. It's also important not to neglect cybersecurity because companies are transforming into digital. It changes the way we work, make decisions and collaborate, especially during the pandemic time. The rate which the new threats are emerging is uh, astonishing because cyber attacks were up to even more than 50% in 2021 in comparison to the previous year. And uh, of course, we can only guess what will be the increase in current year 2022 then risk management and information security have always been a strategic for a business but today the role is growing even more important as the world is becoming of course the more 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 digital so you just implied, obviously, this is a daunting industry. Everything is always changing. There's always security breaches. Everything is happening all the time. Um, what gives you the motivation to keep going and seeking out solutions for all of these, these daunting problems? To use maybe the military terminology, uh, the arms race is underway. Cybersecurity requires content knowledge updates. Just uh, I can compare that to the virus databases and antivirus programs. We have to be always up to date to uh, remove some threats. Then it's challenging, but on the other side, it's rewarding. Then uh, technology comes, comes to the rescue in the current uh, times. And uh, 
most people, uh, of course, except uh, ISACA community members, will think that auditing, let's say security, risk management, and compliance, they are boring and unimportant topics. Recent years have proven that treating those areas seriously saves many companies' existence, then, uh, and it gives uh, uh, me the motivation to constantly seek for more efficient solutions and to mitigate the risks that are, let's say, surrounding us. Okay, so you've, you've done a lot here, obviously. Um, is there somebody in particular who has served as a mentor to you? I know that that's a big question for younger people in particular. How do you find a mentor or other thought leaders in the industry that you might admire or have reached out to throughout your career? For that question, I, I will be not original uh, what I would like to say, but of course, I have at least two, two leaders that I admire. And to some extent, I try to use their experiences. Then the first person is, of course, Steve Jobs. I admire him for his approach to, um, to, to, to simplifying technology to better fit people and their needs. And the second person is Elon Musk. Of course, I'm not a fan uh, of his, let's say, ad hoc tweets that make the stock market shake, but I really like his mindset. And he sees the world as an endless opportunity to innovate. And he wants to put the first man on Mars. And I believe, definitely, I believe that in 100% that it will happen before 2050, maybe even sooner. Would you want to go to Mars? I know that's not really a question I'm supposed to ask you, but would yeah, you go? I, I Definitely, if I have the opportunity, I would like to go there. But, you know, there's maybe one million or even two million candidates that would like to go and they are better than I am. Yeah, I don't want to go to Mars. <laughs> I'm perfectly happy here on Earth. Um, all right, so what is one thing that you wish everybody understood about your job? I thought that many times that uh, about how to tell people who are outside the tech industry about my work. and. Uh, the latest version looks like, uh, like, like, like this. I work for a company that uses the latest uh, information technology to let other companies, usually the biggest uh, and the largest in the world, run more efficiently and uh, their employees make better data-driven uh, decisions. Sometimes I add that uh, business today are hybrids of human intelligence enhanced by information systems. And I myself was involved in the project that enabled one of the global pharmaceutical leaders to organize the efficient COVID-19 vaccine production process. It's amazing that we can accomplish it with clever use of data, clear goal, and the, of course, the most important, the motivated team that work together. And so you talk about the, the vaccine a little bit, and you had a part in that project. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that, about how the vaccine impacted society in a positive way and your involvement in that process? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were involved in the process that uh, the company wanted to make all the companies, uh, the manufacturing side digital. Then we helped them to move from the manual approaches, the let's say Kanban-driven uh, manually at the manufacturing side into something that is uh, more uh, digital. And it helped to fasten and shorten the process uh, of the uh, vaccine delivery. 
Okay, so I also understand uh, and was provided with information that you made another huge positive impact on the world by helping to adapt the building in the, I've got to look at this, the Modulin Fortress for Refugees from Ukraine. Can you tell us a little bit about that, how that experience impacted you? Yeah, uh, some people say that helping other companies uh, or just to hire, help refugees is an important topic, and I believe this is one of the most important things that you have uh, take into consideration because helping people right now uh, i don't know if you know that number but more than 3.5 million refugees from ukraine is in our country then the poles are helping people and uh, from ukraine just to better tailor to the situation that is uh, in the country when the war is taking place and then currently it's better to talk about community in helping and solidarity with the victim of war then I'm glad that my friends, teammates, and uh, countrymen help. It's very, very difficult time for the entire world, but we have to deal with that situation because we have no other choice. I actually sat next to a woman from Warsaw um, at a conference in Sweden a couple months ago, and just hearing her stories about what it was like to be in Warsaw and that you know every other person on the street was coming from Ukraine. And she said you could do a case study on the people of Poland stepping up to help and just the mankind and what they were doing for people. So um, thank you for that. It's just been an extraordinary story to hear. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so changing gears a little bit. Um, when did you come to start working with Isaka? It was uh, a couple of years ago, uh, back in, if I remember correctly, 2013. I decided to apply for the risk certificate. Then I gained more momentum as I saw that the value in the knowledge I gained, uh, decided that I decided to pass the system exam as well. And uh, since it went so well, a few years ago, I decided to not only be a participant of the conferences, but to also expand my contribution and to become a public speaker. Uh, and I'm supporting also, let's say, local chapters, not only in Poland, but also in the UK and, of course, in the United States. So you're doing a lot. You've got the vaccines, you've got all of the health things that you're taking care of for yourself, you've got your job. How do you continue to stay on top of all of the changes that are happening in your industry? How do you keep that knowledge fresh? Yeah, it's a very good question. Thank you. Uh, I try to take the perspective and the sum of the competences of the entire team. Of course, I'm still learning and trying to stay up to date but I realized that as a manager, I have less and less and less direct contact with technology and more contact with people. Then my task is to ensure that the team has the tools and conditions, including knowledge and experience to work effectively. And I try to rely on my knowledge, but also to use knowledge of others. Then circulation of knowledge builds value in the team and I believe this is the best way to achieve the goals. All right, so somehow with all of this you have going on, you still have time to watch Netflix, which I've heard, <laughs> um, and you're watching a show called Devs, which is about quantum computing, which we could spend an entire episode or podcast talking about. But what do you see for the future of quantum computing? How is it going to change the world? <laughs> yeah, on one correction, it was not, this was featured not on Netflix, but on HBO. Ah, uh, okay. But, 
<laughs> yeah, the, but yes, I found uh, this topic really and extremely interesting. The series tells the story of building a quantum computer that uh, shows many other aspects of quantum mechanics in an interesting way. Although, of course, the story is quite uh, different from today's business application of quantum computing or cryptography achievements, but it's worth watching uh, as we are in the threshold that quantum uh, computing revolution. And if I remember correctly, Richard Feynman uh, once said that nobody understands quantum mechanics. And in my opinion, he was probably right. I try to explain to you one thing. This is a coin. And there is heads and tails. Then we can assume that a logical value can be assigned with one side, for example, logical one and logical zero. Then this is standard, the bit, we have more bits, more information we can store. But how about qubits? This is the equivalent of bit in the quantum computing. Then we can think about a qubit like the spinning coin. This means that while the coin is spinning, we can with certain probability have the value of one or value of the one or zero at the same time. But to say more, there is a continuum of potential options, then this is the change. In the bit, we have only one and zero, but while the qubit is in the superposition, then we have undefinite number of values uh, according to the probability. The more qubit we have, the power of the computing, uh, quantum computers uh, rise exponentially. Then this is the, the main difference. You know, this is just the beginning of the journey. It seems on a, a matter of time that uh, um, uh, before quantum computers take hold in the global IT ecosystem, and that will change everything, literally, uh, giving completely new perspective to, um, to let's say, the development of AI, uh, changing the way we communicate over the network and the secure data, let's say, discover drugs, of course, and manage uh, supply chains or traffic. So this is just the beginning of the big leap for the humankind. So that is without a doubt one of the best explanations I have ever heard for I Love the Coin. Um, I have to ask, is the show technical or is it like actors portraying a whole, like there's a, a plot and everything or is it real scientific and they're like a documentary style? But you are asking about the devs or? Yeah, the show. I'm just curious. I've never watched it. Yeah, this is just the movie that explains how the future of quantum computing could be that there are the parallel universes, but I don't think we are on that stage. Uh, we are just at the beginning of the journey. Uh, to say it more, it in the while, uh, when it comes to the quantum computing, is just the let's say mid 60s of the past century, while compared to the classic computers. Then there is a still 50, 60 years that quantum computers will be in the position like the classic computers right now, but the fast, the speed of changes is pretty much amazing. Got it. Okay, so what if there was a show? Maybe you could star in it because I heard that you took a three-year acting like theater class um, to learn how to act on a stage. Were you ever cast in a play? And if you were, what was your role in the play? <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, sorry. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I mean, not regularly, but you could see me performing on the stage in the past. 
It all happened because I was, let's say, slightly afraid of public speaking, but I wanted to share my knowledge and become a public speaker. And during my performance, I was unfortunately or fortunately a devil. It was quite an easy, easy, easy play. Then, so I enrolled the, for the three years, the theater course. I learned to act on stage. I even played in a proper playing theater, as I said. And this was a kind of hard work, but it pays back during each of my conference speeches. Then stage is a nice place to be if you are, of course, as usually, well prepared. And, and how many plays have you been in? Are you famous? Are you on uh, IMDb? No, 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 no. So this was just the local place. I just put uh, two of them. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I believe that for everybody, it's the good uh, place just to, uh, to have fun with. I would love to do that. I would love to get involved in theater. I think it would be super fun. I can't sing at all, so no musicals, but I think I could, I think I could do the acting. Um, you mentioned earlier that you ran, um, and you talked about 100 meters, but it appears you've also run marathons, uh, several of them, and so it's an extraordinary feat. How many have you done? What has that taught you? And how do you think that that's been um, great for you as a person? Yeah, yeah, then, <laughs> yeah, I have passed, but not my passion. I still run, uh, of course, maybe slower, uh, but in longer distances. I have uh, so far run nine marathons, and uh, it's great feeling to on the finish line. Then I can tell you a story about my first marathon. It was mm, 20, almost 20 years ago, during a barbecue party, and, you know, my friend told me, yeah, you are, you know, quite active uh, in different sports like uh, basketball, running uh, for short distances, even poker plays. There is a marathon run in three weeks' time. Uh, why don't you join me in this engagement? And you know, it was BBQ party, closer to the end than the beginning. Then my flexibility in the decision process was, let's say, slightly above the standard level. I thought, hmm. Awesome idea, why not? Then I decided to participate in my first marathon. That was in three weeks time. And marathon run is 26 miles. Then I, uh, next day I Googled how to prepare to the marathon in three weeks time. And I received some, a lot of answers. I was so happy, it's possible. But the answer were, if there are only three weeks to the marathon, you have to rest because this is the end of your preparation. Then maybe, oh, maybe this is not the best idea. Then, but I, you know, I'm the officer. I, I'm, I like to organize everything. I prepare the training course every day, a training or even two, even sometimes three uh, trainings per day. Then before the marathon, it was three days, if I remember correctly, before the marathon, I ran my longest distance, seven miles. And I thought, I am ready. I am so strong. And I, completed the marathon, but I almost died on the finish line. I, uh, you know, I was so tired, no human feelings. I can feel like the, let's say, the first version of the Terminator. No human feelings, just one thought in my head. You stupid guy, never do this again. Never do this again. And I repeated this eight more times. Then, <laughs> yeah, this was just the beginning. And of course, uh, as I'm still uh, hooked with technology, I try to prepare to the running, use my 
smartwatch to analyze the data and to be better prepared, not in three weeks, but just to have, let's say, long time strategic planning. Yeah, And uh, I believe that the 10th marathon is still in front of me. I'm not know when or where, when and when, but I'm just considering the New York marathon like the for the fair for the last marathon in my life. But you know, we will see. I have to be ready, not in three weeks, definitely. Okay, I have several questions about the marathons. First of all, what was the time? Um, how much time elapsed between your first marathon and your second marathon? Was it like a year, two years? It was more or less one year. Okay, and how long has it been since you ran your ninth marathon? Uh, the last marathon I completed, if I remember correctly, in 2014. This was my last and the fastest marathon, uh, three hours and 40 minutes. Then I'm waiting to win the last marathon just to beat my personal best record and in New York. But you know, it's I don't know if this is possible. Then I'm still doing my, let's say, uh, calm preparations to, to verify whether I can be ready, analyze my data and to see the potential result. Okay, last question about the marathon. Have you run them? Wh what countries have you run them in? Have you run them outside of Poland? Yeah, mainly in Poland, but one marathon I ran in Berlin. Uh, yeah. And okay. All right, I'll be looking for you on your, for your 10th marathon. That's, a, that's a quite an accomplishment. I have run none and nor will I. So we've talked a lot about a lot of things. You have a lot of passions, but if somebody said, what is your passion in life? What would you say? Uh, passion in life, uh, of course, family, but uh, I have something that perhaps about the passion I wanted to devote myself on the retirement. Then. Let's say maybe in 10, 15 years, I will have my own pub in a decor like the 14th century Galeon, where you can have a good meal, drink, dance. And I would uh, also like uh, this pub to have a room uh, with slot machines from the 80s. I still have a large collection of the computers from uh, the 80s, like Atari, Amiga, Commodore, Spectrum, Amstrad, Timex, then I think that such vintage computers are uh, on the one hand a nice memory to the other the technical reminiscence because after all our mobile phones, even smartwatches, uh, they have more powerful processors than the computers mm, in the Saturn V rocket that delivered the first man to the moon. Yeah, for me it's awesome. Okay. I'm going to be excited to visit this place in 15 years. Um, okay, so well, <laughs> you're invited. Fabulous, great. Um, so that's your, that's your passion. What about your mission? What do you think your mission in life is? I would like to refer to Mr. Władysław Bartoszewski. Uh, this was a Polish diplomat and uh, politician who experienced the, the cruelty or the Second World War and even the concentration camp. And he used to say, it is worth being decent. It is worth being decent. Then I agree with the statement in 100%. And this is my mission at work and as well in my life. Awesome. 
Jan, it has been such a pleasure talking with you today. Thank you so much for giving us your time. I appreciate it. Um, to all of you who tuned in, thank you so much for listening. This has been an ISACA podcast. My name is Megan Moritz. Have a great day, everybody. Great day. It was a pleasure for me. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>